0: We're on the, the fourth parak Now, just to remind us where we were, in the first parak we saw a, something of a dialogue between the Mikkonen, who we identified as Yumiyao Hanavim, and the city. Now, remember, the city isn't talking. Uh, we do have a notion of having, uh, in the beautiful song, of having uh, stones that have a heart of man, uh, and, of course, men with hearts of stone, but um, buildings don't talk. So when the city is speaking, lo alechem kol etcetera, etc., it's not the city speaking, it's the Makonein speaking, giving voice to the city, doing some personalization. The same thing happens in Perakbet. Bet. In Perakbet. Bet. Perak Aleph, the focus, and we're going to see this next week when we do Perak Hay, the focus in Perak Aleph <coughs> is the loss of the glory of the city and the, um, the betrayal of her supposed allies, notably Egypt. The second parak is the loss of the honor of the notables of the city. And there's already something of a more pointed and painful description of the actual events. have to remember that throughout Eicha, very little of the focus is on the Beit HaMikdash. Almost all of it is on the city and the people of the city, and, and, uh, and the destruction, the, the, the siege, the starvation, etc., Peregimel, we saw, was a departure from all of that. Peregimel was an autobiographical uh, narration by Yirmiyahu, and that's what the easiest thing that helps us to identify the author is Yahu, where he describes his own personal travails, and how he felt that Hashem had abandoned him. And then, in his own seclusion, he came to the awareness that Hashem's chesed is forever, tov Hashem Kobab, etc. And he thought about it, and he turned himself back towards Hashem, and he's using this as a model to try to say, you should all do the same with me. And it's unclear whether or not at any point the people actually do that. I'd like to posit that they don't. And that Yirmiyahu now is taking another tack. And we have to step back and ask the question, which we're going to formally ask and try to answer next week, but just as a put it aside, is what is Yirmiyahu's purpose here? What is the purpose of the entire book? And I ask that in two stages. What was the, int- the purpose of saying these words? And then, on a secondary level, why are these words memorialized in Tanakh? We have probably millions of words that were spoken by prophets, spokesmen, lawgivers, etc. during history that were never committed to writing, or at least not permanent writing. So if to ask that question, we're, we're going to just park it for next week, but to keep think about it, what is he trying to accomplish with these words? And why are they so significant that they become part of the permanent canon? But here he turns, and you'll notice that the kinam meter that I pointed out when we started shifts. Remember in the first two prakim we had that kinam meter, in which typically it was three sticks in the first half of the sentence, and then one or two in the second half. There was an imbalance there. There's lots of interpretations as to why dirges are written with that kind of meter. Um, one of them famously is that it's as if the, the speaker is coming out of breath. He's like losing, he can't finish the sentence because he's so desperate. The other one is that it's a reflection that the world is out of whack. And the normal balance of biblical poetry here isn't, isn't working. Um, here, they, it comes back into balance. The, me, the meter is normal biblical uh, poetic meter, but the sentences are long. So it's not like two and two, it's like four and four syllables in each, in each half. But you'll see that there seems to be more of a uh, coming into a, a description of reality, but the reality is horrific here. So let's take a look at it, and we'll see what's being described. Echayu <laughs> uh, Amzahav. Again, starting with the word Echay, and again the word echa here, not being a technical how, but rather a, 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 a how of amazement. How could it possibly be that the gold has become dulled? Which gold? So then we're, we're, then we're going to talk about the, the glory, the wealth, the splendor of the princes of Jerusalem. The princes of Jerusalem doesn't mean the son of the king, but it means the, the wealthy, the aristocracy, the Kohanim, etc. Um, and, and you can always have to ask the question, why do we talk about the good old days? The question is, how good were they and how old were they? And usually the answers are inverse. The older they are, the better they were. Right? And the more recent they are in memory... The more reality there is there. Right? But, hatov. <laughs> the ketem here, which likely means a shade of gold, has become dulled. What are we talking about? kodesh The holy stones have been thrown out into the street. Now the holy stones likely refer to what? What would we assume the holy stones are? The choshen. So the choshen. Question is: Does the choshen even exist at this time? Right, it's gone. Well, this is the first Beit Hamikdash, right? But quite, was it exist at the end of the first Beit Hamikdash when the Aaron's already gone? So Avnei Kodesh and all of this gold, everything seems to be a metaphor for the, for actually for the young people, for the children, as we'll see. This thing is really about the suffering of the children. Benetzion Hayikarim, the beautiful or the dear. Children of Zion, Hamesulaim bapaz, who were Mesulaim, like structured in gold, kind of laid out in gold. Now they've become considered like pottery, like pot shards. Maaseya deotzer, made by. A, and of course, Maaseya yotzer takes us back, and it's important to note that Yirmiyahu is both going to reference his own work and his references here to Ezechiel. It was all of the time. Uh, one of the most famous scenes in Yirmiyahu. Um, is a scene that we all know, but not from Yimiyahu. Uh Is um, Hashem tells Yirmiyahu to go to Beit Hayotzer. It's the Yotzer here. Beit Hayotzer is the potter. All right. He says, "What do you see?" And then Yumiyao says, "I see that the that the potter takes some clay and he wheels it, and then if it comes out fine, fine. If not, then he breaks it and he reshapes it. And what does Hashem say to him? Kinei kachomer Right, right? And that, but that's where it comes from. I'll start from there, and so Maasey De Otser here very likely is also refer is referencing that of Yirmiyahu because remember this is Yirmiyahu at the end of his career, after the Churban. Gam Tanim a ton is a jackal. Even a jackal, which is considered to be a predator, is a predator. Uh, nonetheless, uh, will give nurse to her own young. But my own children, my batami and the daughters of Jerusalem, as it were, have become ruthless. Like ostriches. Evidently, ostriches are like the meanest bird and they won't uh, help their young. Now, ostriches could not nurse their young because they're not mammals. But but the notion is that they don't take care of their young at all. They send their young out right away. And what's the mashal here with the nimshal, the little baby, the yoneg, the yoneg means suckling. His tongue has cleaved to his mouth because he's so thirsty. Now, immediately the image that comes up to up to us is Al Nahar Pavel. But remember, Al Nahar Pavel is likely of a later generation, which means Al Nahar Pavel may be picking up on this image, and showing L'shoni Right? What? How could it be talking about Bavel? On When? When is it written? Right. Wasn't that written before the the, the destruction? Well, read Pavel. It read uh, on Nahrav Bavel. It would make a lot of sense, right? Right. They're already in Bavel. And, admit, right. Probably the Hasidei Bavel, the of Bavel, possibly. Right. Olalim shalu lechem, porei sein Little kids are asking for bread, and nobody's giving them. Nobody's slicing them any bread. In other words, these little kids who up till now were Golden, were aristocracy had all this stuff. And parenthetically, on Pasuk Bet, Benetzi, on Amosulayim Bapaz, Hayikarim ba Papaz, that's where the Midrash, the famous Midrash about all the great banquets they had in Yerushalayim, is. And then, as a side, within that, they tell the story of Kamtsura, Kamtsan Kamtsura, in one version, uh, which is the version we learned, we learned both versions here together a couple of years ago about the famous story of Kansa Bar Kansa in the in the Eretz Yisrael version, um, which, uh, which is uh, in the Midrash here. And now we're going to see these opposites. Those who would eat delightful things. Nashamu they are, Bachutzot They are now withering away out in the streets. And by the way, it's not just eating and starving. It's, it's not just uh, gold and pottery. It's also, notice, inside and outside. Everything is about being in the in the palace and then being out in the street, being thrown out in the street. Ha'amunim ale tola. Those who would typically be have tola tolat is like a fine silk that they would wear. Chibku ashpatot. Chibku ashpatot. Ashpa is just an interesting word by itself. But what is an ashpa? <coughs> the answer is it actually doesn't mean anything. The word, the single word, is ashpot. Right. What's the plural of ashpot? Ashpatot. What is an ashpot? The singular. What? An ashpot is a dung pile, specifically a dung pile. Why is why is a dung pile an ashpot? Because what would they use dung for? Remember, this is a world of very limited resources. They would use it for fuel, and they'd cook on it. And lishpot sir with a tav. Lishpot sir is to place the the um, the pot on top. Of the fire. Shvitak So also so the third pack of Shabbat. And so Ashpot is the placing thing. Right? The plural is Ashpatot. In modern Hebrew, what happened is that people saw Ashpot and made the mistake of thinking, oh, it looks like a plural form. The most singular must be ashpah." They made up a whole new word. And then they didn't want to talk about dongs. They talked about, you know, this big of Pach Okay, fine. But that's not the original word. Right. Exactly, but I spoke are everything in the singular. It's the singular. Right. And now we get into a reference, whether you mean knowingly or, you know, or being guided, uh, to a famous Nivwa of Yechezkel. Um, I'll stop by asking this question. What was the crime for which Sodom was guilty and for which Sodom guided terrible punishment? Sodomy? Mm, no. Matter of fact, there's no mention anywhere in the text of that. I mean, what you call sodomy. Whatever they did is called sodomy, because it's stom. Right? But it doesn't mean it's what the dictionary will say. Okay? It's not supporting the poor. It's an explicit pasuk in Yechezkel. Right? You were wealthy, svei at the v'yedei ani vevyon zakt. That's stom's sin. And Yehezkel, in his Nubuah, says to Bnei Israel, as is in the famous Nubuah and Tetzalian, that, that your sin is greater than the sin of Stone. So you're sitting there with all this moral you know, sense of rectitude and, and, and looking down on these other nations that were destroyed. Your sin is far worse than theirs. Here, Yermiyahu picks up a page from that and says, And what happened to Stone? You could see from their punishment. Now you ask somebody on the street, which is worse? Which, which indicates God's wrath more? When brimstone comes down from heaven and totally wipes you out and nobody's left alive and the whole town is destroyed and it's salted like enemies salt the earth so nothing can ever plant grow there anymore except it's a great potash plant, right? But is that or to have an army come in and fight with you and, you know, you end up getting slaughtered. You, I would think that the brimstone indicates more of God's wrath. Here it says the opposite. Stone, and I'll show you that they, they at least got nailed in a minute. It didn't last. And there were no human hands there. No chaluvayadayim. As opposed to you guys, who suffered for a long time and were treated badly by people, which shows that your sin was greater. What's it saying? How about the? Uh, someone gave a she'er at the end of Tishah where he said that one of the things we can take away from the basement that's being destroyed is that only the structure was destroyed. No, we're going to actually look at that. Uh-huh. That's going to come up, okay. right? Zakun isirah mishal. And again, we have to keep in mind. this question contradict what you're saying? Well, we're going to see how well, this goes, and I'm not saying I'm just quoting what the pasuk is saying. But we have to keep in mind, and this will play a role exactly what you're asking, Mike. Keep in mind the key question, which I have to ask whenever you were studying Tanakh, is why is this here? Why did why was this told at all? Why was this said in this case, why was this said at all? And why is it in Tanakh? Not why is it our custom to be I'm not that's a, that's a totally sad question. The question is why is it in Tanakh? What was the mekonen, What was your miyahu here trying to accomplish with his audience? Vent to feelings? What was he trying to do? So we have to see, but this is the picture he's drawing. And by the way, you could play it the opposite way. You could say, well, clearly, we're a lot better than stone. We outlasted stone by a few thousand years, and stone will never be rebuilt, and, you know, lots of other things, right. right? And they don't ever call anything disgusting Jerusalem, right? So you could have said that. <laughs> it's worse than that. But, but, and again, looking at the Differences, but here the differences are, are of a different nature. <clears throat> the differences we've been speaking about before are wealth to poverty, security to insecurity, indoors to outdoors. It's a difference of consequence, of situation. Here we're going to look at something that may not just be about, diff- about consequence. Zaku nizire the nizirim, and by the way, nizirim, which is an image that we get in several of the, almost famously, talks about Nazirim, are not necessarily only formal Nazirim who take the vow of abstention from wine, etc. But it may mean that those people who have sort of dedicated themselves to a spiritual life. Um, because the images here have nothing to do with the classic Nazir. They were whiter in a sense of purity than snow. Like pure, brighter than milk. Now, Odem, the uh, ruddiness, is considered to be an attractive thing. We find that in several people. Of course, most famously, David, that their, that their body was like redder than, uh, than pearls. Sapirgizratam. And they looked like sapphire. These are the Nazirim. What happened to them? And here you notice a whole pasuk to the good. What happened to them? mishachor tooram their their features have become blacker than black. right? Now, here, this this is from the perspective of Tanakh. It's important to note that lighter is considered more attractive. And blacker is usually considered a sign of starvation. The results of famine. Not cultural stuff. Right? Um, low... Um, Right? People could not even recognize them. And again, Again, outside. And what are these Nizirim doing outside? Because there's no more inside for them. This is the theme throughout. Safad oram alatsman. Their their skin is stuck to their bones. and it's all dry, like a like a, like a piece of wood. There's nothing to because they're not eating. They're not drinking. They're starving. Right. There's a famous story in the Gemara and Ketubot uh, uh, in the times of Rebbe where there was some wealth but there was still a lot of poverty going on and uh, there was a couple that got married and they came to Rebbe the next day in good faith saying that uh, they consummated but did not find any uh, you know, what they expected to find afterwards. And the concern was that she was not a Betula and and Rebbe took a look at them and said this pasuk. And he immediately in, uh, ordered that the, the two of them be fed and be given something to, to eat, etc. And then he told them, lech zachev mi kachago, try again. The idea was that their bodies were so withered that there was like no blood circulating. Now, obviously, there was some blood circulating, they were able to express themselves, but it, it's, it's a classic way in which Chazal also give vent to the notion that these descriptions from 700 years earlier were still very again, have become prominent in their day. Uh, important to note that, and we, I said this in the introductory shir, that the Midrash of Eich uh, which is perhaps the most beautiful collection of Midrash that we have, utilizes all of these images, and all the descriptions are from Bayit and Bar Kochba, and Beit and other events along the way. So they take the literature of shown and speak about it as if it's talking directly about Baytcheni and and uh, and the events under the Romans. And here again, a very unfavorable description, which you could go both ways. It's a terrible thing to ask, but how would you rather die? In a famine or being butchered on the battlefield? I mean, they're not great choices. Take a look at what, at what we're doing. And again, the, the purpose. you got to keep in mind the purpose. There's a, there's a rhetorical wisdom to this. Uh, for instance, taking the image of stone. Um, and the fact that stone was wiped out in a minute without human intervention, showing that it wasn't so bad. It's a way of twisting it. Same thing here. Better to die by the sword than to die by hunger. Why? At least they have freshets coming out of them. So imagine how terrible that image is. But at least there's like life there that's pouring out of them. And now, the, perhaps the most <laughs> horrific image of the entire piece, uh, the, the mother and baby image, which has happened several times throughout here, which is both a metaphor for Yerushalayim and her children, and the real mothers and their babies, and the babies turning to the mothers, crying for milk, and the mother has nothing to give, um, is an echo of perhaps the worst moment in the Tochacha. But here is not the echo anymore. Here is just a repeat of the worst moment in the Tochacha. That women who are compassionate women, otherwise, with their own hands, they cook their own children. And there's a deliberate play here, a very ironic and sad play. My, my people have become so destroyed that, that their own children have become levarot. Now, what does that word bara mean? Bet Resh. It means to, to feed. Right? Uh, David refused to eat with them when the, the baby was sick. He wouldn't eat with them. But what's well, a sudat habra'ah? And we use it in Tanakh this way. It's a of that a mourner has. Right? So notice, their own children were, the, were that they cooked. And eight became their havraah. You know, terrible this is. And this is all now a description which is chiefly about the siege. Notice, what is it to the just down? Um, it, it's actually from that passage about David. Then David gets up to eat after the after the child dies, in that story. You know, about is the first so baby the to, feeding. to feeding, right? Exactly, and it's like because you're, because you're feeding them. I mean, did so, did they kill them and then cook them? Or did they, <coughs> they, they just ate the <coughs> carcasses? Unsay. And it's probably a lot better, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing we don't have video. When it says they're out the it seems to imply that they did things that were uncharacteristic of them. Yeah, that's the whole th- time. You have Nazirim who are now blackened. You have B'nai Sion Suleimba who are now like. powder. Uh, this is all opposites. Now this entire first section, Temp Sukim, is all a description really of the siege. It's not a description of the attack of the Romans. This is the terrible siege over Yishalim, which is two and a half years from the winter of 589 BC until the... Um, uh, 588 BC until the summer of 586 BC. And now the next Temp Sukim go in step further, which is when the city is actually destroyed. Kila Aduna al this is what you asked ask about earlier, Mike, Shafach Haron God has spilled out all of his anger. And this is how Yirmiyahu describes the fire. The fire in Jerusalem is the fire of God's anger that is eating up all the foundations of the city. What the Pasuk in Tehilim Ayin Tet then gets played on is that we're thanking God that he's taken out his anger on the wood and on the stone and not on us. That we're still here. But that's a lot easier to say a couple generations afterwards when you're not one of the people actually in there who isn't spared. Right, but you also know. It's given if, as a reason why the fast is actually on the 9th rather than later on the 9th and the 10th, which is when the actual destruction happened. Right. The truth is we don't have a good date because right. in, 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 even in, in Bait Rishon, we have three different dates for when it was destroyed in, in Tanakh. Lohe heminu Malche Eretz Koyosh Nobody could believe. And this now goes back a little bit to the first parak. We talked about the world and the nations of the world and how they react to Yerushalayim. And it's a very different description because in parak Aleph they're all laughing at us that Yerushalayim is now so vulnerable. Now it's like nobody could believe and people could just walk through the gates of Yerushalayim. But this is now the real thing. This is the, the destruction. And it's a very interesting take that Yirmiyahu here is pinning the guilt for this on the leadership. Now, Neviyahu, we get, because who are the Neviah talking about? Everybody Yirmiyahu had to contend with, all the Neviyahu Sheker, who were telling everybody it's going to be okay, and you guys are fine, and it's not going to happen, and sign up with Egypt, and all of that bad advice, and lack of willingness to stand up to the people and tell them to get their act together. Avanot now is a little bit strange which Kornel we're talking about, although Yirmiyahu does make mention in Yirmiyahu about Kohanim who are behaving badly. Ha-Shofchim Tzadikim. Now that's a little bit strange to think that the Navim and Kohanim are actually spilling the blood of the innocent. But it seems to be that because of their inability or unwillingness to stand up to the king and to the leadership, and this may now be going back all the way to the period that really set the tone for this. Let's remember, Yirmiyahu is now speaking after Tzitiyahu has been taken away, that the city has been destroyed. Yumiyahu has been a Navi since the times of Yoshiahu. He's gone through about five kings, although some of them, uh, truth to tell, didn't, didn't last very long. But he was there through Yoshiahu's period. We find out that by the time Yoshiahu, who was a great king, took over, at least from a religious perspective, took over as king, it was already too late. That Yoshiahu's grandfather, Menashe, his behavior of both murder and idolatry, and he was king for 55 years, longer than anybody else, um, sealed the fate of Yerushalayim and that there was really no turning back. So this so, could be the what the, the reference here is. Was going to be to they were it. hoping that he would be the one who would yes. turn it around. He thought he did. And he made the mistake of going to war, getting involved in uh, you know, the, with the big boys, and that was the end <laughs> of that. <laughs> now, blind people, again, are on the outside, are wandering around. Who are these y- ivrim? They're not Hebrews. Yivrim with a vav, They're blind. Are they people who are now, like the people of the city who have lost their way? Or is it a reference perhaps to all of the foolish people who followed these fake, these wrong Nevi'im? N'go'alu <laughs> badam. They themselves are filled with blood. And this is now no longer the hunger that we talked about before. This is now the blood of battle. Beloyuchlu yeguvil vushahem. Nobody could even, touch, could even want to touch their clothing. It's so disgusting with all the blood. And what do people say now? Remember, these are people who earlier were dressed in gold and who everybody wanted to be near and was, was wealthy. Suru Tame Karulamo. People said to them, Get out of here, you Tame person. Suru Suru Alti Don't touch these guys. Kinatsu Gamnau. They've done badly and now they're, they're wandering. Amruba Goyim Moyasu for lagor. And in the nations, they say, We don't want you to live here anymore. And this little Pasuk. Sort of like like, kind of like a subtitle for uh, about a thousand years of Europe. (laughs) God's face Himself has separated them away; He doesn't want to see them anymore. (laughs) Now, is this the people who aren't recognizing and 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 properly acknowledging the Kohanim? Can't be because we said before the Kohanim. What it means is that the nations of the world. Now, don't want to see these people, they don't want to see their leaders, they to do with them, they're disgusting, they're, they're terrible, and their God has certainly turned away from them. And nonetheless, we still look for help for where it's not going to come. They're still looking for Egypt to come save them. What was our anticipation? To a nation that could not save us, or would not save us. And this again is all about the treaty with Egypt, which is what sealed the fate. With, uh, with Bavel. You have to remember, Bavel came in in 597. Bavel took over, shipped the aristocracy out, and let everything stay in place. Koanim, Bavoratam, Ulvi'im, Eshiram, Eshiram, Yisrael, Baramadehem. Everything was operating. Of course, the upper class was gone. They installed the puppet king and said, you be nice and take you know, do what we tell you and everything will be fine. It was only when he signed a treaty with Egypt that, that was the end of it. And that was Tzadkiyahu, who of course was nothing like his name. Sadut <todotza> it's a play on words. Tsa'ad is a step and latsud is the trap. In other words, every step we take, there was a trap there waiting for us. <todotza adenu> even in our own streets. Karav <todotza adenu> our end is nigh. Mal'u <todza adenu> kiva our days are complete, meaning we're going to die, our, our days are up. And now, watch how they describe it. This goes back to Parak Bet. Remember, God is an enemy attacking. God is like taking advantage of every opportunity to get us. Kalim hayu rod Our enemies were quicker than, how would you translate Nesha? So we all grew up with Nesher as an eagle. Nesher is not an eagle. Nesher is a vulture. It's important to note that. Nesha is a vulture. Right? And that really is different here. Because an eagle is a Bold, it's a predator. So why is oh, I was trusted as i don't know Incorrect because it was a European Right, exactly. So it was the, European. Nasher, the whole, that whole metaphor. The question is what that means, yeah. But the Nasher and Tanakh is Doesn't uh, sound good. Ask ask uh, not about it. Um, <laughs> but notice that our enemies are chasing us quicker than Nishre Shomayim. Al Hiharim Dalakunu. <laughs> they chase us on the mountains. Ba <laughs> midbar even out in the desert they're laying in wait for us. And now, this passage, which we, we all know more from Sommet Shalom, Ruach Apeinu, what was the life that we had? Mashiach Who's that? Who is that? It's Sikyel. Sikyel is the anointed one. He's the king. Nilkad Bishkitotam. He was trapped by them. Asher We thought we would live in his, in his protection. In the meantime, he was taken by them. Okay, the destruction now is utter. From the terrors of the famine and the siege to becoming disgusting in the eyes of everybody because of all the blood that spilled and the city being burned down and looking at God's anger in the form of flame. It's terrifying. Your meow can't end this way. And the reason I say end is even though there's Perakamishi, which we're going to study next week, I'm going to suggest next week, and I think it's fairly obvious from the text that Yemialu is not the author of Parakamishim. I think this is the end of Yemialu's Eincha part. And what does he say? And this has strong echoes to Al Nahar Pavel. Si bat Remember, we've had Bat Yerushalayim, we had Batami, Tzion, Bate Who's Who's Batedom? is Bat Edom is Hedom. And evidently, we have evidence from here, Yahu, from other places, that the Idumeans came and participated as sort of the henchmen in the destruction of Yushalim. Sisivasimchi Batedom, Utz. It's in the east bank of the Jordan. You're going to also drink the cup. The cup in Tanakh usually is a cup of hot poison, called and it means it's a, a terrible punishment. You're going to have the cup too. You're going, to, you're going to and you're going to be drunk with it, and you're going to have it fill you fill you in. Now, turning back, tam Avonech Batzion, loyal sif lahaglotech. So your miyahu now turns to the people, and says. Okay, your sin is complete. Meaning, it's been paid for. God is not going exi- to ex- uh, exile you again. Now this, of course, becomes very difficult from the perspective of Jewish history. edom <laughs> And bat <laughs> edom, which again, no reference to Babel here. So there are certainly many who would like to say, oh, there's a Nebuah about and it tells you that Bayt will be the last exile, and bat edom is a reference to the Romans, but in this context, so Bat Edom is seen now as the opposite. And Bavel seems to be sort of like, you know, up there in the, in the bigs. But it's Bat Edom against, uh, against Bat Zion. Bat Edom's sin will be remembered and God is going to expose all of your sins and you're going to pay for them too. We've done our bit. We've gone through what I've, we've gone through. It's terrible. It's terrifying. It, it's, it's heart-wrenching. But we're done. Your turn's coming. There's something that feels very almost infantile about ending this whole description with a call for vengeance. But if you think about it, what do you say to people who've gone through this? What do you say to people who have experienced this firsthand? They themselves have seen their own younger brothers eaten by their parents. I mean, to take the most horrific image. Seen their own teachers dying in the streets of starvation. What do you say to them? So on the one hand, the promise that this is not going to be repeated, and on the other hand, the promise that it's all part of God's justice, and God's justice is going to be meted out to the other nations too, is hopefully a beginning of bringing them to where he needs to get them to. Where does he need to get them to? I'd like to suggest that he never fully gets them there. It's going to take till Parakeh, which happens a little, bit late, a little bit later on in history, and we'll see you next week, and then we'll see what this entire Megillah is all about. Uh, we've been studying today, I mentioned at the beginning, in memory of Lee's father, Yehonatan ben Eliyahu Menachem HaLevi, uh, President of Julius Samson, uh, who did so much for our community here in Los Angeles. And... We certainly hope that our limur will be a, a source of ilweel on the